Thank you. Thank you for being here tonight. It's good to be in God's house with God's people to come around his word. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you this evening as we gather here. Father God, in your house with your people around your word. Father, as we pray every Sunday, it's a living word. It challenges us, it changes us, it encourages us, it teaches us. We thank you for that. And Father, as we pray tonight, Father, Father, we ask that you would just speak into hearts and lives this evening, Father. Father, in the wonderful song we've just sung about living the Jesus way, we just thank you for that idea that, that living that way is embedded in your word, Father. And Father, as we come to your word now, Father, we just simply pray and ask, Lord, that you would just reveal yourself to us in a deeper way, Lord, as we come, as we are challenged tonight by this thought of taking up our cross. So we just pray now for this short time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Continuing on with our sermon series through Matthew, we're in chapter 10. Um, and over the last couple of weeks, we have looked from last Sunday morning, the disciples being sent out. Last Sunday night, we looked at the idea of, of not fearing, uh, though these uh, disciples would expect trouble, persecution, and even death uh, for following Jesus, the confidence that they could have. Uh, last Sunday night, it stood out for us that it was, you know, when, when you say do not fear, it has to be grounded in something. It has to be built around something. And it was this idea of simply that God looks after us. He takes care of us. He sustains us. That he has a plan. Uh, and this morning we heard from, from Pastor Reese as he just shared uh, the middle part there of, of chapter 10. Of just what to expect. How we were to go out. The attitude that we were supposed to have. Uh, and that as we come. And as we come to the end of chapter 10. Uh, Jesus throws out to the disciples this other thought, what to expect as far as the division of the gospel goes when the gospel is preached, uh, because there will be those who accept it and those who reject it. Uh, there, there is no sitting on the fence uh, when it comes to the gospel. People will either accept it or they will reject it. Uh, and we face that challenge. Uh, we face that challenge in, in, in the generation. And when I say generation, uh, you know, we sometimes assume that's talking about the younger end. It's not. It's talking about the generation that is here in church now, which is each and every one of us. Uh, and, you know, we, we cannot bypass the cross in any way. People would like to have a Christianity that somehow bypasses the cross, that somehow makes it easier to be a follower of Jesus but we can't do any of that by bypassing the cross or ignoring the cross or ignoring what Jesus Christ has done for us at the cross and Jesus speaks on this in the passage that we're looking at tonight because the theme that he gives towards the end of chapter 10 after he's spoken about sending them out and the trouble and the persecution that they would expect to face is Jesus gives them a challenge of four words Take up your cross. Uh, and we're going to look at what, what does that mean tonight. It's not enough to say, I'm following Jesus. And there is an action, a cost. Uh, there is an image in our mind of what that commitment means when we say, I'm taking up my cross. I'm taking up the cross. 
Uh, and Jesus says these words in Matthew 10, just as we look at these. He says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. You can already see the, the cha challenge in those words, the depth of that challenge as well, where Jesus talks about our personal relationships, about the place that Jesus Christ must take when it comes to our family, when it comes to our friends. And often we read passages like that and we just probably want to skip over it. But because he's talking about where we put our loved ones, he's talking about the division that the gospel brings between those who accept it and those who reject it. Two quotes to start with. Now I like a quote from modern day teachers. The first one from Francis Chan, who says this, the world says, love yourself, grab all you can and follow your heart. Jesus says, deny yourself, grab your cross and follow me. John Piper says this, he says, the cross is not a mere event in history, it's a way of life. Take up your cross daily, Jesus says. And Jesus does say this throughout his gospel preaching, that the cross is not just that upon which he died upon at the end of the gospels, but also a challenge to his followers to take up their cross, that that's the measure of commitment that his followers have, that we're to take up the cross as I said last week, the gospel is a sending and proclaiming message that is made public. It is not a hidden and secret message for a select few to be kept private. It says the challenge of us as we take up our cross is that it is a public thing that we're doing. It's not something we keep when people say to me, I'm a Christian, but it's a private thing just between me and God. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. It, it, it's a public thing for us to witness to others, to, to share with others what it is we believe. Whether uh, they accept that or reject it, he said it's a public de demonstration, a public proclamation. It's a taking up of our cross so they can see the commitment that we're living out. And as I said, there's a danger when people may turn around and say, but it's a private thing between me and God. And I don't really like to share it or stand out and stuff. There's no such thing. We have to stand out with it. It says we don't blend in, that we stand out. It says the danger for the church today is we're more interested sometimes in blending in so we don't offend people. Uh, Jesus makes it clear here in these verses, the sort of division the preaching of the gospel brings that as these disciples get ready to go out because they're still getting ready uh, there to get out and Jesus is preaching this sermon to them about the persecution and the trouble that will come here say listen this will not be widely accepted even in your family your family may reject you because you believe in me and, and there are probably stories in here of people who have got saved 
and it has caused that animosity in the family, that misunderstanding, that division in the family. And, and you know, even here in the, in, in the place where we live, the, because not all people accept you know, what's got happened and what's got when, when I got saved, my mum thought I joined a cult. She thought I'd joined a cult uh, at 21 and thought that, you know, that, that I'd started to believe in all this weird stuff and became even weirder than she thought I was before uh, I became a Christian and stuff. And I remember her words to me when I, when I, I sort of came home and told her and she said, you know, look, it, it, it'll, it'll, it'll only last a few months you won't stick at it. And you know, that was 30 years ago now, 30 years ago in January. Because it does bring division within family. It does bring that difficulties within family that we don't say, oh, well, okay, it's my private thoughts that I have. It's something that I'm just going to do privately. Hey, we're supposed to influence the world around us. Jesus is challenging the disciples as they go out to go and make a difference right from the beginning of the chapter when he sends them out. He doesn't send them out and say, listen, go and blend in. You know, go and don't upset people. You know, if your message, if they don't sort of like it, well, you know, just, so just step back into the background. Jesus says none of these words. He wants his followers to have an impact. He sends them out with the disciples in the place, not to be offensive to people, in a sense, not to be rude to people, because there is another extreme of that that sometimes believers do. But Jesus says, look, we've got to be upfront, we've got to be honest, and we've got to publicly proclaim and live out what it is that we believe Somebody once said this, and this is a challenge for each and every one of us. If we were arrested for the crime of following Jesus and tried in a court, would there be enough evidence to convict us, or would the charges be dismissed for the lack of evidence? A challenging quote that is there. He says, would there be enough evidence to convict us? You're a Christian. Here's the evidence to to prove it. And Jesus opens his passage up because he uses a word a few times when he says, those who acknowledge me, uh, those who uh, simply confess me as Lord of their life, but to do so openly before others, even those who oppose him and his ways and his standards, simply to say, listen, this is who I'm living for. This is what I'm believing. You see, the dividing line, as I said, would even run through families in the strongest terms Jesus explained that the disciple must love Jesus supremely. Often sometimes what Jesus teaches is a little bit upside down. But actually it makes sense when he says almost, he says, listen, put me first. And almost everything else is blessed because of that. He says, you know, you, you want to be a good father. You know, don't, don't make it about being a good father first and living for Jesus first. He says, want to be a good father. I says, I put living for Jesus first. And, and that helps me to be a good father because your kids see you living for Jesus. He says, if you want to be a good mother, the same principle. If you want to be a good friend, whatever we put first sometimes. It says, often gets turned upside down because Jesus says, listen, put me first, seek my kingdom first and, and, and serve me first, supremely in a sense. Put me at the top of the list. Uh, and, and actually what happens sometimes is the greatest danger to our following Jesus sometimes does not come from the bad versus the good, but from the best versus the second best. 
We struggle sometimes because we have to put Jesus in that place of actually the best and not the second best. And we can't say, well, I believe Jesus is asking me to put my family in second place. He's doing it for a reason. He's saying, if you put me first, then family and everything else that comes there. He says, actually, it's not second in a sense it's less important. It just means you're putting me first in everything in your life, in your family, in your job, in your studies, in your relationships in your friendships and everything that comes because that what we believe is a public proclamation it's not a private demonstration of our faith that we keep hidden the challenge comes as Jesus says listen acknowledge me he says Jesus says everybody that acknowledges him as first he will acknowledge to God I mean, that's a wonderful challenge there isn't it when he says well listen if you acknowledge me and put me first then that acknowledgement will mean I can acknowledge you before God. The danger sometimes is a lukewarmness of us putting Jesus Christ second. And Jesus is building up to this challenge here in this verse. Uh, because the proclamation of the gospel, it brings intentional division. Because it separates the believer, doesn't it? It separates a sinner, in a sense, from the world that they want to live in. Because we look at it and say, listen, we don't want to live like that. We believe there is another way. And it's that uh, we've sung about it tonight, the Jesus way. Uh, and it's different. And people say, but that's, that's not normal. That, see, that's not natural, what people say. He says, that, that's for another time. But it's not really, it's just a different way of acknowledging Jesus in every decision and choice that we have to make. And it's no wonder that it brings opposition and it brings division and it brings persecution and it brings ridicule and scorn. And Jesus now comes to the challenge of the theme of the passage where he speaks of the cross, taking up your cross to first mention in Matthew's gospel and it's not directly associated with Jesus' own crucifixion because Jesus in a sense hasn't mentioned that yet but he understood that they would understand as he spoke about this that they would understand what Jesus is talking about you see crucifixion was not an uncommon sight most people living in the Roman Empire at this time would have seen condemned criminals carrying the beam of their own cross towards a place of their execution. The cross here for the, the, the visual example, uh, and it would have been a lot bigger than this and a lot heavier than this, but you know, a criminal that was condemned to die by crucifixion would have carried this crossbeam. Uh, and when he carried that crossbeam, it signified a couple of things. The first one was this, he was gonna die. He, he, he was ready for death. That's what it carried. You didn't, you didn't carry this. It's funny that we may wear a cross like this as a piece of jewellery today. Uh, and yet at the time of the Roman Empire, if somebody was carrying this crossbeam, it just meant one thing. They were on the way to die. It, it was death. And that was it. There was, there was nothing else to it. People saw it. And the Romans forced the prisoners to do as we will see later on in the gospel as we hit the story that, that as a kind of confession, they carried that crossbeam. It says, you know, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of the charges that have been put towards me. And I'm on my way to my own death. It says, you know, and, and so that would have been representative of that. So when they carried the cross, it would have meant that, hey, I'm guilty. You see, when we carry our cross today and we carry this, it says we're guilty as well. 
And the charge is being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus. Are we guilty of that? He says, there's a challenge in the quote that comes before us in the screen. We carry that and people see it. Uh, and I've shared this thought before that sometimes when we carry the cross and are lifted out and you see this comes with us and, and we carry this and there are some places that it just doesn't fit and some places that it doesn't go. We, we try and force it into places that we think it will go, that we think, well, I can still live the life that I want to live and I can take this cross with me. And sometimes a cross doesn't fit. Even if you try to move this cross now, you've got to move it down and try and fit it in between the doors there. And when I was bringing it in, I need knock two people's heads off and you know, I don't want to use that as an example now but you understand that that's what it did and you see because it's awkward and the cross is there and, 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 and it's it's awkward because it's not supposed to fit and Jesus uses it it's not as take up your cross as a membership as a, you're part of the club now so take up your cross and wear a wee piece of jewellery so everybody knows you're a believer it says, it's a sign that you're guilty I'm guilty of being a Christian I'm guilty of being a follower of Jesus. And you see, Jesus said this right before the death on the cross. What could he possibly mean when he says that those who do not take up their cross and worthy, and so we'll follow him and not worthy of him. I thought Jesus could have picked anything and said to them, this is how people will know that, that you're my followers. He could have said, listen, if you memorize a lot of scripture, if you memorize a lot of my words, that means people will know you're my followers. No, he doesn't do that. He says if, if you worship, you know, and, and you keep that as the forefront of your life and, and, you're, and you're enthusiastic and you're passionate and the words, you know, and he doesn't say that. And all these things that we think sometimes measure our commitment of being a Jesus follower pale into insignificance when he simply tells the disciples, listen, when you go out and you face the persecution and the trouble and everything else that comes your way, this is how people will know you a follower of mine, take up your cross. He says, take up your cross and follow me. He says, this is you lifting this and saying it doesn't fit in all the places I want it to go. It doesn't fit in all the places I used to go. So I need to stop going there. I'm not trying to squeeze the cross in, but actually to say now, standing with this is more important than anything. Me carrying this is more important than anything. And people get themselves into all sorts of trouble and difficulties because they think it's just a wee add-on that they can pick up and put down simply because it's too heavy. Yet Jesus throws out the challenge here. He said, those who follow him, they must also participate in putting themselves to death, of dying to themselves. This was the challenge to the disciples. The context of his other teaching is that a believer must die to themselves. They must be willing to let go of their own agendas, their personal dreams, their ways of living. They must willingly submit to walking the difficult path of Christ all the way to the end of their lives. That's a challenge he throws out. 
He said, now carrying this is more important. So I've got to walk with this through my life. And sometimes it means I don't get to do the things I want to do. Sometimes it means I've got to lay aside and put down my personal agenda. Sometimes it means I've got to put down the things that I'm interested in doing. Sometimes I look at it and say to myself, I would rather react this way to that person who's got on my nerves and simply, but Jesus says, but you can't, you've got your cross. And even the cross, you can't swing it and smack it at anybody. You're not allowed to do that. He says, but you have to put it all aside. The most important thing that Jesus says to his disciples here, in the middle of going out this way with the persecution and the trouble and everything else, is take up your cross and follow me. And it means a lifting of the cross and carrying it with you through your life. It's not the Bible. It's not, it's not the worship songs. It's not even the other stuff that we might think we associate with people looking at and saying, they must be a Christian, it's a cross the most visible thing going not a small cross but this cross here that we would carry it and be guilty of following Jesus and that's the challenge that he throws out to the disciples here in chapter 10 as he comes to the end and they might not get it all totally because Jesus has not gone to the cross yet he's not gone so they might be a little bit confused but they understand this that Jesus is sending them out He's sending them out to share the message of the gospel. And you see, nobody can call themselves a follower of Jesus and at the same time follow their own path, do things their own way, ignore the righteous life that God has called them to. He says there has to be a dying to ourselves. That's the hardest bit, isn't it? To give up the stuff that we have to do because the Christian life often is things we must give up and the things that we must take up but there can be no taking up without giving up there can be no taking up without giving up and the challenge for all of us as we walk that life in the way of the cross is the stuff sometimes that we have to give up to make sure that we're continually taking up the cross Far from being this decorative piece of jewellery sometimes, actually the cross is a, something hideous and shameful. Roman citizens weren't allowed to be crucified. Decent citizens weren't executed on the cross. Only the worst of the worst were humiliated and tortured by crucifixion. Yet Jesus uses it as an example of his commitment to us. And then our commitment to him. He uses it as an example. A dirty, rotten, filthy cross that only the worst of the worst would end up dying and being executed on. Then Jesus comes and says, well actually you know what you need to do? You need to take up your cross. It was shocking almost in a sense. But actually when you think about it, it, nothing symbolizes God's love more than the cross. It says nothing symbolizes when, 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 when God thought of a way to show people that he loved them. He sent his son Jesus, but he didn't stop there. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross. And that was the symbol of love that he has for you and for me. I mean, we would do things today as a demonstration of love, wouldn't we? If I wanted to show a demonstration of my love, I would buy flowers. I would buy chocolates. 
or if I'd done something wrong, I would buy flowers and chocolates. <laughs> because it would be a demonstration of the symbol of love. And yet the demonstration that God has for you and me is this, it's the cross. Not just this plain cross, but a cross that his son hung on for you and me. And we can't get our heads around that because God could have done anything. He could have done anything, but he chose to do this for you and me and shows it as a symbol of the love that he has for you and me tonight. And, and you see, we can't think of anything more shocking than that. It symbolizes God's love. It symbolizes man's inhumanity because we put him on the cross. It symbolizes sin, ugly power because Jesus took all the sin, your sin, my sin, even in the song that we sung, we exchanged it. So he would wear our sin and we would wear his name. It symbolized all of this. It symbolized God's forgiveness. And it was all pictured on a cross for you and for me to show us that he loved us and to show us tonight that he does love us. And they say in that there, he says to the challenge as he throws it out, he says, take up your cross and follow me. See, the cross that he asks us to bear, he says he's nowhere near as heavy, not in any pearl of insignificance that is so small compared to the cross that he carried for us but he asks us to carry the cross and we carry that cross just simply to say hey I'm a follower of Jesus I'm a believer of Jesus see when a person took up the cross in Jesus day it was for one reason and that was to die you know what we've lost sometimes and I've done this as well because we've lost coming to the cross and thinking about our surrender I know in this part of the world we like to say no surrender but when we come to the cross we say surrender but we don't like to say that now you know what we do when we come to the cross We look at the cross and we think it's lovely, a picture of thought. We look at the cross and we think that's a nice thing that was done. We look at the cross and actually we like to sing songs about the cross and some of the songs we sing are lovely songs about the cross. It says we actually love the message of the cross, what's not to love? God loves you and me. He's paid for the sin of you and me. Me and you are forgiven. And we almost love the message of the cross and the songs of the cross and the picture of the cross. But what we forget sometimes or where we stop sometimes is it comes the surrender of the cross. This is a place of surrender. It's a place of us coming to the cross and we can't get past it without us actually saying, I'm not living for myself anymore. I can't pay for my sins anymore. I can't live the way I want to live anymore. I've got to die to myself now. He says, and that's surrender. That's us coming and saying, we love the songs and we love the message and we love the picture and that. But we've got to get past that and say, because of that, I surrender. And it's what Jesus is asking the disciples to do that day. 
I'm sure they're all pumped in a way because Jesus is about to send them out and you know he's given them authority to cast out demons and to heal people and it's like they're ready for the mission they're ready to go for what they're called to do they're, they're fired up in a sense that Jesus has given them the warnings of the persecution I mean Luke tells us they come back from this missionary journey uh, and all that Jesus has promised has happened and they, one of them describes a vision of, I saw the devil fall from the sky like lightning from the sky. You could see the spiritual impact that this had had on them. And, and yet Jesus throws out this challenge at the end here of Matthew when he says this. He says, take up your cross and follow me. So that's how people will know that you're my disciples. That's how people know who you belong to. And you see, with the cross... There was no negotiation. Oh, but, but Jesus, it's, you know, and, and I, I, I've heard people say this, it's, it's not the right time, you know, further down the line when I've got this part of my life sorted and, and maybe when I've got a bit more time to do this, and, then we can make a deal. There were no deals at the cross. There's no negotiation. There, there's no compromise. There's none of that. It can't be. The only thing there can be is surrender. It's, and for these disciples, that's what this was about. They had to surrender. They had to take up the cross. And that throws out the challenge to you and me tonight. Because the cross was not just a place of surrender, but it was a place of death as well. Not just Jesus' death on the cross, which we've got further down the line in the gospel, but for us as well. It's a symbol of our dying because we look at the cross and say, this is the measure of the life that I want to live. Not coming to church, not reading my Bible, not how long I pray, none of those stuff, but actually the measure is, is taking my place at the cross in surrender, knowing that I am simply helpless, that I'm dying to myself and in surrendering to, to Christ, I get up and I live for him. It's just clear. It's an exchange to die to self and to live for Christ. So the danger when it comes to this generation, and I meant this, that this is all of us. This is the world that we live in sometimes. At some point in this generation, take up your cross and follow me. Changed into come to Jesus and he will make your life better. And that's not the correct message. It says there will be aspects of that. But the reality is that people get tripped up because they think to themselves, this is a quick fix coming to the cross and my life will be better. Listen, God promises us some things at the cross. He promises his love that's demonstrated by his son going to the cross. He promises his forgiveness because Jesus Christ took all our sins on the cross. Unfortunately, he does not promise that our life will be better. But our life will have more meaning and more purpose and more fulfillment to it because we're now no longer living for ourselves. We're living for Jesus Christ. So that may, in a sense, make our lives better, but it can't be the primary reason that we come to the cross because these disciples had nothing about their lives being better on the journey that they were going on. 
They were going to die for their faith. They were going to die for what they believed at some point in their lives. They were going to face persecution and trouble and all of that. So there is none of that message of making your life better. But boy, does it give your life some purpose, some meaning. Does it take away that guilt and that shame that people sometimes are looking for because of the stuff that they have done in the past? And the only place that you can deal with that is up the cross when you come and surrender to Jesus Christ. He says that's the reality of the cross. We give it all because he gave it all. We come and surrender because he surrendered his life for you and for me. He says, we take our place and we say sorry for the things that we have done wrong, the sins we've committed, but we can't pay for them. And Jesus says, I'm paying for them. I've paid for them at the cross. That's what the cross does. And yet the challenge it throws out in conclusion here is this. We take our cross and we carry it. So when people look at us and say, he's a Christian, she's a Christian, she's a follower of Jesus. She has died to self, he has died to self and he is now living for Jesus Christ. That's a challenging word tonight. But it's supposed to be because you can't talk about taking up your cross if it's not. And it says, as we come tonight, I know there are people in here and that word surrender is the obstacle, it's a sticking point for them. Because they've got to the point in their lives where they've almost been, they've been misguided by this thought that it'll make my life better, but it hasn't. He said, listen, Jesus will give you forgiveness and he'll give you love and he'll give you acceptance and he'll give you those things that matter that are important. Your life might get worse to begin with, but it gets better because as we sung earlier, we said, listen, we now have that promise of eternal life. We have the promise of what Jesus has given, even to these disciples in this passage, when he said, hey, listen, your body may be destroyed, but trust God. He says he is the one that holds it all together. He is the one that believes, and we shared this last week, why we didn't need to fear. But we take a place at the cross, and we simply say, and it's that word, and the worship team are going to come and join me on the platform. Because I think God has something to do tonight in the lives of people in this church. Because the challenge that we throw out is just simply that word surrender. And for some people, that's their sticking point. That's their obstacle. That's the one thing they can't get by or over. And yet God says tonight through his word, he says, it's what you do, take up your cross says do you take up your cross and follow me surrender everything that you need to surrender to follow me give it all up for me give up what you need to and take up your cross and follow me that's a challenge that we face tonight team are going to lead us in a song and then they finish the song we're going to come back up and we're just going to pray but let's be open to the holy spirit tonight be open to what the, he's saying to us this evening about this word surrender as we take a picture of the cross and look at it and say what do I need to surrender what is it that I need to give up it's between you and God thank you team